Hello, everyone, and welcome to Monster Hour. I am Quinn, your keeper of monster and mysteries. With me today are Hannah. Hi, it's Hannah. I play JR the Crooked. Kyle. Hey, it's Kyle. I am Alvin the Monstrous. And Tio. Hey, it's Tio. I play Constance the Expert. We're going to jump right back in where we left off with Constance and Alvin in the forest. Constance, you were having a bit of an awkward conversation with Detective Galvan. You agreed to take one of the walkie-talkies that the search party was using to coordinate their search of the forest. And as you took it, it crackled on and someone from dispatch reported that they had found one of the kids. The voice from the walkie-talkie continues. Yeah, we picked him up wandering down an old forest service road, clear on the other side of the woods. Uh, Officer says the kid's okay, but... He's not making much sense. Says, uh, some kind of animal dragged him into the woods before it went after his friends. I don't know, he's a little shook up. And Detective Galvan responds, Well, at least he's alright. Any word on the other two kids? Mm, no, nothing yet. Well, we'll keep looking. And she looks at you. Uh, well, I'm happy to hear that we found one of them. My friend and I are just gonna finish up our conversation. (laughs) In our our woods conversation. Um, but thank you for the, the walkie-talkie. I will make sure it's turned off right now. Uh, but I will turn it on and we'll join the search party in a little bit. Thank you for um, including us. Well, we appreciate your assistance. Just, yes, when you're uh, going to participate, uh, just turn the walkie-talkie <laughs> back on and, and radio me so I know where you are. Yes, I will let you know once I commence participating. Uh, mm. all right. I'm, I'm going to leave now. Good day, evening. Goodbye. And Ciao. Detective Galvan leaves the clearing where you are in and traipses back into the woods away from you. Whew, that was a close one, thanks, huh? Thanks there. How do I look? How's my eyes? How's my teeth? Alvin, I think now that you have stopped investigating, mm-hmm. your face has sort of shifted back to its human appearance, uh, although you have a full beard. I think through that whole conversation with Detective Galvan, Alvin had his back turned and was kind of trying to apply slight pressure like to his snoot and his teeth to just try to help them <laughs> massage them <laughs> back into human form. <laughs> And Alvin, I don't think you exercised the control that you hoped for, but mm-hmm. as Constance was fending off Detective Galvan, I think you've realized that you do have some control. It's a muscle that you've never used before, and it's weak, yeah. but it's there. It's real sore. Yeah. <laughs> and so you you can control this. Nice. Mm. Nice, nice, nice. What's nice? Oh, uh, I made my snoot go back. Oh, like on command? Wait, hold on. Let me try this. Did you you poop your pants? No, look, my nose. It's like more dog-like. Oh, it is. Let me get it back in. Rub. Get get it. Okay. Well, that's a neat party trick. This is just an excuse for Kyle to show off his foley work. A hundred percent. And it's real good, too. It's It's good foley work. It's real good. It's good. It's good work. It is. I really feel that nose. Professional. Yep. Well, that's great. 
in the meantime, at some point, we should probably just invest in some really nice aviators for you for when the eye thing happens. That's probably a good idea. Yeah, just put that on the list of, you know, you just have your, like, uh, starter kit for lycanthropy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, Maybe JR it's still natural. Has it happens. Aviators. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Fitting. So the two of you are now alone in this clearing that you've investigated and found signs of Alvin's slumber here, but not much else. What do the two of you do now that Detective Galvan has decamped and left you be? I'd still like to try to catch the trail of where I've been. He still doesn't know what happened last night, and there's still some kids missing. There's something happened during the time that he can't remember in the space that he was, so... He has this cool new magic trick, but is still worried sick about what he did. Okay. Yeah. And I just want to make sure you're okay. And then I definitely want to meander over to the search party just to see what we can find out about the other kids. If there's any way to talk to, Mm -hmm. like sneak a word in with the kid to try to figure out what they saw. Because it might be completely unrelated. Here's open. So the kid was picked up by an officer on that Forest Service Road and is being taken to the police station. So you can Ah. rendezvous with the search party, but if you want to find the kid, they're going to be, well, the kid that was already found, they're going to be at the police station. Good luck getting a word in with them at the police station. (laughs) (laughs) Bad Um, experience there. I feel like the best answers we're going to get are probably from the other kids that hopefully can still tell that story um so i would like to rejoin the search party but you know if if this is your journey then that's fine i can meet up with you after yeah i mean they said the kid's not making a whole lot of sense but that's to the police i bet if we get a listen it may make a little more sense to us the kid at the police station any any of them yeah hopefully find some of the other ones yeah so are you good here or do you want to join the search party i mean i'll come with for the search party because we did our investigations Last session didn't find a good trail from here, so that well may be run dry for now. So I will come along. Sweet. So I turn on the radio. What do I hear? I think there's nothing right away. If you listen for a few minutes, you hear somebody pop on and say, Sector 8 is clear. I just finished searching it. I'm moving on to Sector 9. This is Fred over and out. Okay. And I think there's an acknowledgement from Detective Galvan, who's coordinating this search. And she just says, thank you, Fred, over and out. Okay, I hold down the talk button. I'm like, Detective Galvan, this is Constance. My friend and I are done with our business in the woods and would like to join the search party. Where where would you like us? Over and out. There's a, a map attached to the walkie-talkie. If uh, you pull it out, you're near sections, looks like 23 and, and 24. We've gridded the forest. Uh, if you wouldn't mind searching those, we would be just very grateful for your assistance. Roger that. Over and out. Is that how you say it? Peace. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) I don't really get this whole walkie-talkie thing, but I like it. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so you you pull this map out that is attached to the back of the walkie-talkie. It's just a park map, basically, but the Vermont Police Department has sort of gridded it out in like one-acre sections. And you can see the section near CNL where you are. You appear to be on the extent of section 23 and section 24 is slightly deeper into the woods and then it continues in sort of a snaking row pattern, so on and so forth. Perfect. All so right. We're right by 23. We can yeah, let's try it out. Comb the woods. 
Okay, I think I want to do this in a similar way to how we did the investigation on Cathedral Peak, Mm -hmm. which is sort of a broad investigative mystery, which will represent your search of the forest generally, and that will determine what you learn. So one role, but like I can help Constance on this role? Yeah, exactly. Sort of thing, or we're both rolling? You can do it separately if you want, but then I'm not going to let you help each other if you do that. Sure. So it's up to you. I think that makes sense, because if it's a larger area, we may spread out a little bit so that we're not looking at the same things but we can cover a little more ground yeah okay but still within shouting distance right yeah can yell at each other if we find something fun fact have you ever gone hiking and sort of investigated two paths and tried to shout at the other person yeah it doesn't work very well it's shocking how not far your voice carries in a forest Oh, yeah. yeah, it's dampened by all the damn trees. That's why I say get rid of all the trees. Uh, but go ahead and split <laughs> up. That's fine. Wait, is that you, Tio, saying that? Or is that Constance saying that? Because I don't think Constance would say get rid of all the trees. Well, neither would I. <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke. It's called a, a class A joke. You know, Man, fuck trees. I don't know. Constance paints landscapes, but she doesn't strike me as a particularly outdoorsy person. Maybe that's just my headcanon. No. Cannon, but no, it's 100% true. desert. She does, and also she prefers nature in the abstract, quite <laughs> like, literally. Like most things. Yes. Well, you didn't let uh-huh. her finish. She, you need to get rid of all the trees and put them back upside down. Actually, yes, that would be far more interesting. But anyway, no one's going to take me up on that. The Forest Service never read my letters. Just the roots in the air. Yeah. <laughs> roots in the air. Oh, that would, ooh, good band name. Roots in the air is Jenny's band that she's in. I like that. <laughs> it's that's canon. Ooh, that is a a nine. Okay. For me. If we're by ourselves in the woods looking around, I'm going to pop my snoot out, (laughs) go a little coyote, and get my plus one to sniffing. You do the head-only transformation again? Yep. It goes a little smoother. (laughs) Head. And so you get a plus one. Head of coyote. Glad I do. Seven. So each of you have a mixed success which means you get to hold one and you can use that to ask one of the following questions. What happened here? What sort of creature is it? What can it do? What can hurt it? Where did it go? What was it going to do? Or what is being concealed here? Whoever wants to go first, that's fine, but they're happening simultaneously. And Alvin, I know you're looking for the kids, but if you want to use this question to try to retrace your steps, I think we can do that if that's the way you want to go. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is um, Alvin knows that he's supposed to be looking for the kids, but he's smelling in the most familiar scent. He doesn't have the scent of the kid. He's using his nose. He has the scent of himself that he's familiar with. So that's kind of what he's really looking for. Yeah. Okay. Because he's most afraid. His big fear is that finding where he went will also find the kids. It sounds like that would be where did it go? Trying to track yourself. Yep. Okay. Alvin, I think you're searching grid 24, which is pretty much just sort of north of the clearing where you woke up and where you previously were. And you're searching this grid, you're pacing back and forth, back and forth. And after searching for a little while, after getting to what you estimate is probably the end of the grid, you catch a scent. And it is a familiar scent. And it is the metallic scent of blood. And almost instantly you recall the moment that you woke up and you tasted this on your tongue. And again, you can almost see it wafting in front of you in these sort of fits and starts. And it's not like a line, but there are these little tufts of scent that you can Mm. follow. And they lead further north up and around CNL. 
the other direction from the entrance. So kind of like around the back of the laboratory? Yeah, which for context would have you sort of moving up along the eastern exterior of the search area. Yeah, I think Alvin does cautiously because it's like at the edge of the forest, so there's a little less cover. But I think he does sort of start to follow this blood trail in a little bit of a daze. I mean, there's a pit in his stomach. You know, that memory is real. But there's also a bit of monstrousness coming out with the scent of blood. You follow it for some distance. And I think you realize pretty quickly that this scent is faint, whatever it is, the origin of the smell, you're not going to find it sort of right away. And it's going to, you're going to have to travel for a little bit. I don't have my phone or a Polly Pocket radio (laughs) (laughs) or any way to contact Constance. You have your howl. I have my howl. Which? That could be bad. But I think he's got to follow it. It's emotionally overwhelming. You hug the tree line next to the Colorado National Lab for a while. And then after a ways, you leave it behind and you delve further into this forest. You don't know how long it is before you leave the area of the search parameter, but you definitely are clear of it. By the time the trail starts to become more viscous of a scent, and eventually, I think maybe even like 20, 30 minutes later, that scent becomes robust and you smell its origin before you can see it. And you can tell that it's coming from this, not shelter because it's not intentional, but this divot between two fallen trees that are overgrown. Mm-hmm. You can tell that the scent is coming from within that shielded area. And it's dark, I suppose, in there. I think by this time, it's about probably four in the afternoon. And when you're in a forest, even when it's light out, you get sort of ambient light, but you don't get direct light. It's like that. Yeah. So it's not dark, but there's no like direct sunlight. And so Mm -hmm. as you're approaching this divot, you can't really get a good look at what's in there. Hmm. So I think what he's going to do is he's going to do a howl and duck behind the tree and see if anything moves in that area. A few birds sort of take off overhead, but nothing moves on the ground. That squares with his assumption of like he's following where he was. You know, he doesn't have any memories really of the event, but not any memories of fighting anything. He wasn't really hurt when he woke up. So yeah, he'll go take a peek in the divot. You make your way through the underbrush and crawl over one of the fallen logs and tucked in the recess of this bastion is the body of a deer and it is i mean there's not really any other way to put it it's torn to pieces oh thank god oh thank god and (sighs) i think you actually can see a small piece of fabric that's sort of been like torn away and is stuck on part of the log Mm -hmm. and you recognize it as a piece of the shirt that you were wearing he takes a sit down on the log as relief so it sort of washes over him that it's just a deer that it wasn't anything horrible before he kind of like makes a note of the location tries to remember carefully where it is starts making his way back out perhaps constance will be waiting but we'll see okay let's jump to constance constance you had a nine uh, which was also a mixed success so you also get one of the questions from the investigative mystery list i would like to find out what is being concealed here Constance, I think you finished searching grid 23, and I think you know that Alvin was doing grid 24, so you start working on grid 22, which is slightly further to the west. 
and you search for a little while. It's a dense forest. There's these towering ponderosa pines, and then there's a, a good amount of underbrush at various levels. So it's slow going, and it takes you a little while. But I think, I mean, you tell me if this is intruding on your character, but uh, I think Constance, in her many studies of many things, because she's a smart lady, has spent some time studying horticulture and the outdoors, and maybe even like some survival tips in case something wild happens. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mainly because she wants to be able to incorporate specific local plants within her artwork. It's very important that even though it's abstract, that it is representative of the area. <laughs> it's all about that artwork. Oh, yeah, of course. So you are searching grid 22 and you come across a broken branch that is broken higher up than an animal would break it which means it has almost certainly been broken by a person. And I think you move a little ways and you actually see like a footprint in the ground. And given what Detective Galvan told you, that no one else has searched these grids yet, that means it's not someone from the search party. Right about now, Constance starts to realize that, you know, she's been so focused lately on all the spooky, extraordinary things in town that she's completely forgotten about the very ordinary murderers. And so she's now fully convinced that this is a regular human murderer and she <laughs> somehow finds that far scarier because <laughs> that's something she has not yet come across in her life. So I think she's going to pull out her pepper spray. Fair. Yeah. And... I think she's going to try to quietly creep up following the... F is it a path of footsteps or just one footprint? Uh, I don't think there's a path. I think you can discern okay. a general direction that these footsteps were coming from and going to. They were coming from deeper within the forest and they were going north. And because I think it's fair based on the information you would know, north is where the... Forest Service Road is where the kid was picked up. Okay, interesting. I don't want to go towards where the kid was found because they already searched that area. I want to go the other way, the direction that the footprints came from. Deeper into the forest? Yeah. Okay. Heck, you finally realize that I haven't heard from Alvin? Yeah, I think it's been about 30 minutes. Yeah, and uh, I don't want to draw attention to myself by yelling. It's fine. I mean, I haven't heard him scream or anything either, so... Yeah, you did not hear anything. Okay, if he did try to get a hold of me at this point, too far. Uh, into the woods! Okay, you suss out the rough direction where this path comes from, and you start heading that way. It is the beginning of evening, and so it's starting to darken as you make your way. And you get just a, a few steps when you are startled by a sharp crackling as the walkie-talkie flips on and you hear Detective Galvan come on. Uh, attention, members of the search party. We just received word that a second kid has been found. They showed up at Heights Middle School and they appear to be unharmed. We're just looking for one more kid, Rahul. So please keep up the efforts. I know it's good news that we found two kids, but we can't assume that the other ones are not here. So please... Redouble your efforts. Detective Galvan out. Ooh. Okay. Well, that's good news. 
JR, <laughs> you yes. are sitting outside the Colorado National Laboratory, mm-hmm. handcuffed. Uh, you are yep. next to Leon, although the two of you are separated by Charles, the security guard. And I think yep. it's not too long before <laughs> you see the flashing lights of a firmament police department vehicle and a squad car pulls up and a officer oh, no. steps out. It is not Sony. I feel like I need to clarify that because <laughs> it's almost always Sony when the police get called on you, but Jet. you're not that lucky. <laughs> That's some ARC-1 shit. Damn. This is a different officer. I think right. you can see the badge. His name is Officer Wynn. And he walks up to Charles, the security guard, and the two of them have a quiet conversation that you can't quite hear. And then he right. walks over to you says, all right, let's, uh, let's go. And he motions for you to stand up. Yeah, you too, Leon. <laughs> Again. <laughs> All right. Come on, boy wonder. The two of you are moved to the squad car and shepherded away. The end. <laughs> so, and Hannah, tell scene. us about your new character. <laughs> well. They're very good at breaking into jail. She's a thief. And saving their best friend. Excellent. Fit right in. Okay, so it's a short drive uh, across town, and pretty soon you find yourself at the station. Officer Wynn takes you in through the main lobby. I don't know that it's an intentional perp walk, mostly just I don't know that your crime merited sort of the super secret entrance. (laughs) No one's going to try to kill you going through the main lobby. And he takes you through past the offices and sort of the bullpen, and he parks you in a interview room and says, all right, wait here. Is he going to take the cuffs off? Are you going to... Officer Wayne, No, gonna... and in fact, he cuffs you to the table. Jesus Christ. <clears throat> but just one hand, right? Just one hand? Oh, no. You're, both of your hands are handcuffed, and you're handcuffed to the table. Oh, my God. What the... Oh, this is some, like, escape from Alcatraz shit. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I am not happy about this. You broke into a <sighs> national laboratory. Oh... <laughs> uh, say tomato i say tomato as the door is shutting you can hear him say all right leon you want to call eve and then there's a thunk as the interview room door shuts and through the windows you can see him leading leon away to the cell block area the interview room that you're in is it's pretty nondescript there's a fluorescent light overhead you are handcuffed to the only table in the room there is the chair you're sitting in and the chair across from you. Out the window, you can see the inner room across from you, okay. but really not much else other than that. You can see the hallway leading away. The one across from you is currently vacant. Um, okay. And there's a handful of people sort of passing by in the hallway, but uh, it's not like a, a crowded area. Okay. Uh, I think I already know the answer to this, but how handcuffed am I? Am I like just a little bit handcuffed or am I like super handcuffed? They're police handcuffs. And you're handcuffed to a table. Can I get any kind of leverage on this? You can move your hands about... I'm physically looking at my hands. You can move your hands about six <laughs> inches to the left or right. Shit. And the key's in my pocket. Presumably. Oh, sorry. I should also clarify. Officer Wynn confiscated no. your <laughs> your gun, your knife, your cell phone. He didn't get the key, too, did he? He did not take the key. Huh. Because he would have no reason to think that it's... It's not a handcuff key. Okay. And he, t- he yeah. took my badge. He took it's my- It's like a big key. Took, oh, yeah. He my... definitely took your fake badge. 
<laughs> Look, I worked really hard. Okay, I didn't work really hard on it. The person that I got it from worked really, really hard on it. I really want that badge back. Charlie Ferris is a, is a good cover. Great. Well, I don't think there's really anything that I can... Uh... I guess uh, I'll put it to you. Is there anything you would like to try to do, or do you want to wait for something to happen or for Officer Wynn to get back? Is there any conceivable way for me to get out of these handcuffs without a handcuff key? I think you'd have to use magic. Uh-huh, and I can't reach the key. I'll tell you from a mechanics perspective, you can roll for it. I can give it a whirl? If you want to try to break out of these handcuffs, you can use magic to do it. Okay, I'm going to try. Okay. Because also, if I do badly, this will narratively be highly entertaining. <laughs> yes. So there's not like a specific effect on the use magic list that would sort of make this happen just looking at the list let's see perhaps do one thing that is beyond human limitations is like i could get a hand out yeah or you could just like muscle out of them or like shrink your hands or like something yeah all right well let's see if this happens because (laughs) it could maybe not happen so jr here's what i'm gonna say yeah we haven't done this before yet but this is going to have requirements okay so this is going to require one minute of quote-unquote casting time and you're going to need to do ritual chanting. Oh, shit. And That's not suspicious at all. Yeah. It's going to be... In the past, you've sort of spoken a word to create the effect that you want. Yep. You're going to have to repeat that word over and over again for about... I mean, you don't know how long, but basically, you're just going to have to keep trying it. All right. Let's see how this goes. Mama needs to not be in these handcuffs anymore. Uh, that's a nine. On a nine, it works imperfectly. Choose an effect and a glitch, and I decide what effect the glitch has. The glitches are, the effect is weakened, the effect is of a short duration, you take one harm, the magic draws immediate unwelcome attention, or it has a problematic side effect. Okay, so the effect that I'm going to have is I would like to do one thing that is beyond human limitations, and the thing that I'd like is to get my hands out from the handcuffs, and I think for the glitch, the glitch is the effects are weakened. I mean, I think I'm going to go with the obvious one here, which is that... I get, I get one hand out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's too obvious and also, honestly, too comedic to not pursue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's where I was going with this. <laughs> what do you say? What's your word? It's open. Like, that's it. It's just like open, open, open. You say it over and over and over and you have no idea if it's going to work because you don't have the key, but you can feel this sort of flutter of heat tucked into the pocket of your suit, and you flex one of your wrists, and the handcuff just pops open. Ah! And then you flex the other one, and nothing happens. Ah. And so you have one <laughs> hand free, but <laughs> the way you're chained to the table means your other hand is still chained to the table, and you're not going to be able to get it out. Baby steps. You gotta crawl before you walk, man. (laughs) (laughs) Very shortly after you pop that hand open, you see people are are walking in and out of this hallway, but another person walks in and you quickly conceal yourself. And it is another officer Mm -hmm. and they have a kid with them, probably 10 or 11. Okay. Young boy, sort of like Sandy Brown, tousle hair. He's walking kind of slowly and haltingly. And you can see he's got like, some tears in his shirt. He's got some cuts and bruises. And they take him to the interview room across from you. And they sit him down at the table. And the two sort of exchange a few words. 
and then the officer walks away and shuts the door. How close is, like, if I yelled something, would this kid be able to hear me? You don't know. Well, I don't know. You told me how much your character would know about interview rooms and police stations. They're pretty soundproof. That's what you know about interview rooms and police stations, then. Yeah. So the kid's left in the room. What's he doing now? The kid is just sitting at the table. And he looks, uh, physically, he looks okay. A few minor scrapes and bruises, but he doesn't look well. He's kind of just sitting and staring out. Like, not at you, but just sort of vacantly out in your direction. Uh He looks like he's been crying. His eyes are really puffy, and they're very pink. And he... He just looks kind of vacant. He's just kind of like staring out. Great. Okay. You saw him exchange like a few words with the officer, but like he's not really talking. Okay. Or doing Um, anything. But he's like staring sort of at me? He's not staring at you. He's staring in your direction just because Mm -hmm. the way he's situated, he is facing you, but he's not looking at you. He doesn't really appear to be looking at anything. Is there anything else that I can learn from just like staring at this child? I think it's another investigative mystery. All right. Let's see. You'll be limited to what you could learn, like, like just looking. But yeah, it's an investigative mystery. Okay, and I've got the questions in front of me in case this roll goes well. Uh, that's a five, six, seven. That's an eight. Make success. Hold one. All right. Um, what happened here? I think for what happened here, Jer, you've seen some like you haven't gotten your hands super dirty, but you've seen some shit, right? Yeah. This kid's in shock. Okay. There's a synapse that's not firing right. Uh Uh-huh. Just from looking, that's all you're going to get for that question. Okay. Uh, And I think as you're staring, Officer Wynn opens the door and Mm -hmm. comes and sits down. Oh, all right. Um, Charlie Fairhurst. Uh, We know that's not your real name. You want to tell us your real name? No. All right, we we can do this the easy way or the hard way. You got a lot of criminal counts. There's plenty of evidence against you. Prosecutor's going to have no time putting you away for a while. So I uh, I suggest... Um, Would I be able to... I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, could we just, like, talk to Chief Stoney as he happened to be in the... You don't get to talk to the chief. Sure about, <laughs> sure about that? Sure. You can talk to a lawyer if you want to. Do you want a lawyer? I mean, are you placing me under custodial arrest? Is this a situation where my Miranda rights are going to be read? Because if you're going to Mirandize me, then yes, I will exercise my right to remain silent and my right to an attorney. But am I under custodial arrest? Oh, yeah, you're under arrest. All right, Mirandize me. Hannah, you want to read me the Miranda? (laughs) (laughs) All right, yes, I'm aware. I have the right to remain silent. I have the right to an attorney. I have uh, the right to an attorney if I cannot afford one. If I say something now, it can be used against me later in a court of law. Yes, I want an attorney. And no, I can't afford one. (laughs) Public defender it is. Okay, well, we'll put in the request. In the meantime, I guess if uh, you're not going to talk, we're going to throw you in a cell. This Uh, was productive. You should get that kid to the hospital. He looks back over his shoulder. He's shaken up, but he'll be all right. Yeah, physically he's fine, but something's happened. And now you can take me to a cell. Thanks. And I think as you say that, the kid stands up and walks over to the glass and is just kind of looking out at the two of you now. Yeah, you should take that kid to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you should worry about yourself. I, I mean, that kid's okay. You're you're going to be going to jail for a long time. You sure you don't want to- I still have my friend on the force. I need to talk to 
She's Stony. You could try to manipulate this person to talk to Stony. Yeah, yeah. So Officer Wynn stands up to take you back to the cell block. Hold up. Stony's a vet. He's gonna know what that kid looks like. And that kid looks like he's seen some shit. You should call Chief Stony. Roll to manipulate someone. All right. What will convince Officer no, Wynn you already to did do it. what I want? Oh, okay. All right. Dropping the fact that Stony is a vet is a piece of personal information that you wouldn't have as someone who wouldn't know him. It's a seven. Really? On a seven to nine, they'll do it, but only if you do something for them right now to show them that you mean it. Mm-hmm. If you ask too much, they'll tell you what, if anything, it would take for them to do it. Okay. Let's see. You're asking a lot, so I think you're going to need to show something. Do you still have Stony's business card? It's probably in my wallet, which they've taken. I mean, I could, like, look, go look at my wallet. You're going to find Stony's card, and it's got his number on the back. And it's in his handwriting, because I watched him write it. Go look, go, go look. I'll, I'll wait here and make sure the kid's okay. If I get the chief, and he doesn't know you, and I get in trouble, <laughs> I'm going to make sure they put you under the jail. You can put me under the jail. <laughs> Yeah, you can you can put me under the jail. It's fine. You can put me under the jail. <laughs> and Officer Wynn steps away and opens the interview room door. And he looks at the kid and kind of cocks his head briefly. And the, the kid stares back at him. And then he leaves the room and heads back towards the bullpen area, presumably where Stoney, you know, works. The, yeah. The nine to five part of his job. His job. Yeah. Where where he works in the police station. <laughs> JR is again very scared. And a little turned on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> JR, you're sitting in the interview room and this kid is unsteadily and still with an empty eye looking at you, almost studying you. Mm-hmm. But you uh, you have one hand free if you want to do anything while you're waiting. The kid can see me, right? I'm going to wave at him. Uh, okay. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't respond to you. Okay. Is there any other information that I can glean from just looking at him? Uh, I don't think so. I think you could try to interact with this child, but you you got what you got from your investigative history. So there's nothing just by looking that you'll get. Okay, I guess I'm going to like wave occasionally to see if he's responding, but I'm guessing that he's not going to respond. I think you wave maybe like four or five times Mm -hmm. and the kid's just kind of staring at you. And down the hallway, you can see Officer Wynn and Chief Stoney headed your way. And as they do, the kid kind of mechanically raises their hand and just like shakes it back and forth. Uh Not in a way that any normal person would wave, but just like they're imitating you. The way an alien who has come to Earth and is trying to pretend to be human would wave their hand, correct? That's an interpretation. Great. That's super weird. Love it. And then okay, I am more Stony scared. and Officer Wynn enter the interrogation yeah. room. Okay, I put I put my hand back down. <laughs> well, Charlie Fairhurst, what are you doing here? Zon vacation. I heard you broke into the Colorado National Laboratory. Oh, he's so mad. <laughs> he's so mad. <laughs> Did you know that that is a federal crime? <laughs> <laughs> oh, hold on, give me a minute to get this out. Let me, okay, hold on. All right. <clears throat> Look, I was just following up a lead, 
and there was nobody at the front desk to credential me, and all of the doors that I went through were unlocked. That doesn't not make it a federal crime. You know the saying about better to ask forgiveness than it is for permission? I kind of thought that might be the case when there were three missing children. You know, just looking out for the kids. Speaking of which, something very strange has gone on with that kid. Charles, as I recall in the past, you've gone by Chuck. Officer Wynn, would you go search the law enforcement database for a Chuck Fairhurst real fast for me? And Officer Wynn, who looks confused and uncomfortable, (laughs) nods and steps out of the interview room. And the second he does so, Chief Stoney says, JR, what the fuck are you doing here? What the fuck were you doing in the Colorado National Laboratory? I was investigating. Something weird is going on. Come on, three kids go missing? You're mighty lucky they remained you to my custody, but JR, you're in way deep on this one. But there's some weird shit going on down there. There's some, like, really weird shit going on. Do you know they have, like, a whole room full of lead-lined boxes? That's weird. That's... I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a scientist, so... Yeah, um, they're a national I, laboratory. They do a lot of weird stuff, JR. I thought I was helping. I hope you got some good ideas for helping how to get you out of this one, because I'm, I'm fresh out. There's no Chuck Fairhurst. Oh, god damn it. No, I can't say that I overpowered you. That's not believable. Is nope. it? Mm. We're both reasonably intelligent people. We can think our way out of this, can't we? But just as an aside, while we're brainstorming, you know, no ideas yeah. are bad ideas. Something is really wrong with that kid. Just look. Look at that kid. I know you know that look. And I think as you say that, he breaks eye contact for a second and turns around. And he's been in the way of your line of sight, mm-hmm. but he steps to the side and you see that that kid is convulsing on the ground. Oh, fuck. And Stony, in a split second, throws open the interview door and runs over. Hello, everyone, and welcome to October. Thanks so much for tuning in to episode 9 of Monster Hour as we kick off this most sinister of seasons. I think we can all agree the real monster is stores that are already advertising holiday sales. A pox on their houses. A very spooky thank you to everyone who has helped spread the word about the show, either in person or via the series of tubes that is the internet. We've seen a nice jump in our social media presence since we announced our character naming contest last month, which beyond helping new folks find the show, also means we're getting closer to our sticker giveaway goal of 50 followers. So, if you haven't already, help us spread the terror by leaving us a rating and review or conjuring us on social media at Monster Hour Pod. Pretty soon we'll have some ghoulish merch to give away. Think that's enough Halloween puns? Nah, me either. That's all I got for you this week, folks. We'll be back with episode 10 of Monster Hour on October 22nd. Stay spooky. Alvin, you are at a scene of relief. Yeah, things are looking up. You have an explanation for the blood. Yeah. You don't have a complete picture of that night, but no, you have an answer at least for what you killed. Yeah. And the worrying part of my brain now is moving towards 
not having my bike, which is my source of income. <laughs> yep. So what's your plan now? Where are you headed? Well, I was headed back to the edge of the forest with the lab to see if Constance is there. You head back to the section that you had begun your search, and you wind up in the rough proximity of where you left Constance, but there's not really any sign of her. After waiting there for a little bit, I'll start calling out, and now my search has turned to find my friend. You call out a few times, and I think you are answered by a hail, and maybe not well met, but a hail in return from Detective Galvan. Oh. Hello? Who's there? It's, it's Alvin. Oh, Alvin. And I think she recognizes mm -hmm. your clothes and blushes briefly as she realizes that you were the person that Constance mm -hmm. was with. Mm -hmm. She says, oh, um, hmm, uh, Alvin, yes. Hmm. Okay, yeah, all right. Sure, why not? Um, have, um... I kind of, like, look around behind me. Yeah, Alvin. Yes. Have you seen Fred? Fred? No, I have not. I have not seen Fred. Have you seen Constance? Hmm. No, I haven't seen Constance. Fred, he missed the regular check-in at the top of the hour. He didn't respond. Hmm. Where was he last? Not far from here. He was in grid 31. Hmm. And Constance is missing as well? Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we had a couple uh, zones that we were assigned and figured we would cover more ground if we split up, but, uh... I forgot. Oh, I, dear. We only Don't... had one walkie-talkie, so... You never split the party. Well... <laughs> that is a just police search 101. Well, we already kind of crossed that bridge a little while ago. You don't need to know that. Hmm. Do you want to use that walkie-talkie do a quick colorue? For Constance? Yes, please. Certainly. She turns on her radio and says, Constance, this is Detective Galvan. Do you copy? Over. Constance, this is Detective Galvan. Do you do you copy? Over. And let's cut mm -hmm. there. Constance. Uh-huh. You have been making your way deeper into the forest. You are not off the grid, but certainly beyond knowing which section of the grid you're in. Following the rough approximation of where you think this kid's sole mark in the path came from, I think you've been going for about... 20 minutes or so when you come across a small ravine and you can see a break in the underbrush where it looks like something went down into the ravine oh boy i slowly make <laughs> my way and i put my pepper spray away because i need both hands and i make my way into the ravine it's not tremendously steep like you can make your way down you can make your way to, down without having to roll for it let's put it that way but you can also see down, and at the base of this ravine, you see a kid. Oh, shit. About 10 years old. He's wearing, I don't know what's trendy these days, Hollister shirt. That's <laughs> probably way out of date. <laughs> Hot topic. Fortnite brand. Well, you know who's not fashionable on this <laughs> podcast. He could be wearing, yeah, like a band t-shirt. Look, bands are always cool. Make it yeah, a Stones oh, t-shirt. What's No, no, Stones. what's Jenny's band? Oh, oh, Roots shit. in the Air. Yes, Roots in the Air. Roots in the Air. Yeah, he's wearing a Roots in the Air t-shirt. Local and hip. Which you, you recognize as Jenny's band, her local garage punk band. <laughs> no, that's not Roots in the Air. No, they- What kind of music is it? It's Americana, and mm. they do have a xylophone as well as a saw. Okay, <laughs> I could see that. So 
This kid is wearing a Roots in the Air t-shirt, and he is awake, but he doesn't seem to have noticed you. How close am I? Probably like 15 feet away. Uh, I'm going to sneak till I'm maybe like 10 feet away, and then I'm going to yell like, Hey, are you okay? The kid starts a little bit, and I think when you get a bit closer, you can also see that this kid's leg is very much broken. Okay. You can see the tip of a bone coming out. Oh, God. Oh, mm. And it looks like this kid fell down this ravine and broke their leg. Ah. But as you you shout, the kid snaps too and says, What? Hey, hello. Who are you? Uh, I'm with the search party. We're, we're out here looking for you. We found your friends. Oh, you found my friends. Uh, I need help. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, uh, hang tight, and I kind of like awkwardly basically fall my way down. H- how much blood is going on here? It looks like this kid wrapped like a jacket around the wound. Okay. It's not, you know, formal first aid, but there's a chunk of blood. It looks like the bleeding has stopped. The bigger issue appears to be that this kid, like, they are not mobile. Right. They probably can't put any pressure on that leg. They definitely can't walk. And down in this ravine, they definitely could not get out by themselves. Okay. I pull out the walkie-talkie, and I'm going to immediately call um, Detective Galvan. As you pull out the walkie-talkie, you hear Detective Galvan's voice crackle on. Mm -hmm. Constance, are you there? Yes, yes, I- Yes, Constance. I found, I found the, I, I, I found the last kid, but we need a lot of help. Oh, uh, is he Constance, right? I'm here too, it's Alvin. Is he uh, all right? Hey, it's oh. Alvin, I'm here too. Oh, my lover. Good. Um, <laughs> uh. What? What? I, I mean, yeah, um. <clears throat> yes. Uh, oh. no, we are, we are not okay. Uh, I am in sector, I'm not in a sector. I don't know where I am, but I have found the kid. We're in a ravine. They have broken their leg. They are not mobile, and I am not Rambo. So we're just going to hang out here until you find us. Are there any landmarks nearby that you can use to orient yourself? Yes. Okay. Hmm. I was in Sector 22, and I followed a footprint that was leading deeper into the woods, and that's kind of how I got here. Hmm. Boy. Uh... The trees seem thicker here. Um, Constance, you don't spend a lot of time in the woods, do you? Only on special occasions. It's my special place. <laughs> um, look, no time to dive into my life right now. Um, uh, uh, you okay, Detective? Kid, what's yes. your name? What's your name? Let's just clarify that you're the right child. Uh, my name is Rahul. Oh, yes. We have found Rahul. Okay. Raul, do you have anything on you? Any, like, a flare gun or anything that we could use to signal the detective where we are? What's a flare gun? Oh, what? okay, never mind. Uh, hey, Detective Galvan, can you put my, um, my partner on the phone? Mm, yes, fine. Alvin, here. Uh, hello, lover? Yeah, g- good job with that one. <laughs> <laughs> You do realize that if this gets back to my mother, which it certainly will, you will have to come over for dinner and pretend. So get ready for that. But let's live through today for that nightmare. Um, Can you do your your thing and find me? Can you pick up my scent? You know what I smell like, right? Yeah. I mean, I can I kind of give Galvan a a look. I don't know what you want to say, how you want to do this, but we need help. I can't carry this kid out of here, I don't think. 
and I'm nervous to try because it's a child and I think that's child endangerment and they seem really freaked out. Can you? I need help. Can you help me? Yes. Yes, I can. This this bandage is, it's not, can you like rewrap it? Oh, yes. Yeah, that I can do. Yes. Okay. Um, oh God, I'm so worried. You, Alvin, I'm going to put you in charge of finding us. On it. You do it. I'm going to get off the radio now. I have it on, but I need to tend to some wounds. Uh, I don't know. Make something up with Galvon. Channel some of that Leon magic. Over and out. Bye. Over and out. Uh, Detective Galvon, I know where they are. Keep up. And I'm going to go in a direction and start using my nose, but stay ahead of Galvon. So, Alvin, there's a couple of ways this could go. Are you trying to, like, outrun Galvon? I'm trying to just stay ahead of her so that she doesn't see my snoot and trying to just kind of be quick and confident. <laughs> this is an act under pressure. Okay. This could work out. There's a chance. Hey, it's a seven. On a seven to nine, I'm going to give you a worse outcome, a hard choice, or a price to pay. I think you leap out ahead of Galvan, and you're not using no limits, but you have a certain spring to your step mm-hmm. that I think surprises her a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you get a little ways ahead, and facing away from her, you snoot out, as you have put it. Snoot out. Snoot out. Coyote up. And you get enough time to catch the scent. As you do that, coming out of the woods is Fred. You don't think he sees you? If he saw your wolfish, coyote-ish face, he didn't react to Mm -hmm. it. But he's sort of like kind of awkwardly making his way through the woods. And he catches your eye Mm -hmm. and starts heading your way and says, Oh, uh, Alvin, I'm, I'm lost. Can you help me? Fred, yes. Uh, uh, Detective Galvan, Fred, here he is. We found the kid. We got to keep moving. Oh, Fred. Excellent. We missed you at the last check-in. Oh, um, yeah, I, I lost my, my walkie-talkie. But I found you guys, so I should be okay, right? As long, right? As, long as we stick together, but uh, clock's ticking. We found the kid, but they're in trouble. Oh, excellent. Let's go that way. Which way? Follow me. Hooroo! Detective Galvan and Fred start following you further into the woods as you lead them down the path following Constance's scent. I'll give a call, uh, one more check-in on the on the radio. I'll call Constance and just ask if, if you've got like a whistle, give it some blows. Do I have a whistle? I have a recollection that you have a whistle, oh. possibly from your mother. Yes, we actually did establish that as canon, mm-hmm. that she gave me a rape whistle, I think as a, a nice little dig at the part of town that I live in. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Along with the pepper spray. Yep. Constance, Rahul is cradling his leg. Mm-hmm. It's like, can you please help me? My leg hurts so much. Yes. I am going to call upon my, I've read about this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would like to argue that in my Boonie's notes, she probably had something about wound treatment, especially of the gory kind. I'd like to use that to roll act under pressure. And I'm going to, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm going to take my shirt off and try to redo the tourniquet that he has. Um, there's a rule for actual first aid in the handbook, and I never remember it, because, like, normal first aid almost never happens. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and I think it's act under pressure, which would make this make a lot of sense, so. 
I think it makes sense for you to use your, I've read about this sort of thing, particularly because I'm sure your boonie would have many notes about treating various ailments, including mundane ones like a broken leg. So go ahead and roll Act Under Pressure, and you can use your plus sharp to redo this kid's tourniquet. All right. Mm-hmm. Big money, big money. Ooh, sufficient money. That is an 11. <laughs> okay. More than sufficient. Yeah. You take off this jacket that has been sloppily wrapped around this wound, and doing so reveals the pretty gruesome leg injury that this kid has suffered. And you take off your shirt, which is like a more uh, more absorbent, less abrasive fabric, and start wrapping it around. And I think as you're doing that, a few things happen. First, as you're dressing this wound, you notice that the leg also has bite marks on it. Like it was broken by a creature's bite and not a fall. Okay. You also hear a group of people approaching. Before they approach, I want to ask, what happened? What attacked you? As you do that, you're sort of leaned over him and he grabs your hand and pulls you towards him. God damn it. I knew I was going to get murdered in the woods. God. <laughs> so mad about how predictable I am. Okay. Alvin, uh-huh. you're following this scent and you make your way towards a ravine and you can tell Constance is down there, mm-hmm. even though she's not blowing the whistle. And you're hurtling headlong and, and Galvan and Fred are following. Mm-hmm. And as that happens, you hear a crash behind you. And you don't know what happened, but Fred and Detective Galvan are tangled up on the ground. Yeah. And they're sort of tussling. It's not a fight. It's much sloppier, but something is amiss. What are you guys doing goofing around? Come on. And JR, you are sitting in this interview room, and you see through the thick glass-paned windows, Stoney rush in to treat this kid who's spasming on the ground. And he sets his gun down on the table and puts his finger to take this kid's pulse. And as he does so, the spasming child suddenly freezes and then grabs his collar and pulls his face within an inch of the child's face. And his stomach begins to convulse and he even swell. Oh, fuck. And then... Oh, fuck. Stony! A cloud of pink and purple particulates explode from his mouth into Stoney's face. Oh, shit! Uh, Shit! Shit!